Hello, welcome to Nashville Savvy. I'm your host, Megan Lee Petitlick from The Pamphleteer. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to jump right into it with our lately. Of course, we had a Metro Council meeting this week. We're a little bit late today because we have something coming out about uh, looking at Justin Jones and his efficacy as far as how he gets things done in the state legislature. So make sure you check out your newsletter today to read a bit more about that. But going into Metro Council, it was a doozy this week. And I miss the times of old when Jim Shulman, the old vice mayor, he used to put back the Red Bull. Okay. And when he would put back the Red Bull, you knew it was going to be a long council meeting. Well, that's what happened this week. Of course, we have Angie Henderson as our vice mayor now. And it went until 12 o'clock. This is because there was not only a regularly scheduled comment period, there was the public hearing and we're in budget season. So everybody comes out of the cracks to advocate for what part of the budget that they want to go towards whatever special interests or areas that they came to advocate for. So they filled up that entire two hour public hearing period. So that already put us, you know, almost three hours into the night. And then we started some business and we had about 15 bills and resolutions pulled off of the consent calendar. Now, if you don't know what the consent calendar is, a consent calendar is when they essentially bundle a bunch of the legislation together that don't need discussion, and then they take and vote on them all at once. So it kind of saves time as far as going, instead of going from one bill, one bill, one bill down the line and voting individually, you kind of collectively take a bunch of them together that don't need discussion and either vote them up or vote them down. Of course, if it's a consent calendar, they're most likely going to massively vote up all of those bills or resolutions. Of course, it would be interesting if someday they took a bunch of bills together on the consent calendar and voted them down. That would be hilarious. And it wouldn't surprise me with this council if they pulled something interesting like that. But because so many items were pulled off of that calendar, our all of our council members were getting tired, restless. It was a bit tedious. It was a bit interesting. And before I go into a little bit more, I want you to watch this clip just to get a taste of what it was like from our vice mayor, Angie Henderson, after she answered, was was trying to address council member Ellis, who apparently was um, getting on her, her last nerve. Watch this video. <laughs> Ms. Ellis, I have registered that you believe there to be an error in the attached exhibit. What I would encourage you at this juncture to do, if you yeah. find that error would bring you then to need to abstain perhaps or vote no, I am fairly confident that everybody in this body is for appropriating $85,000 to Vision Zero efforts, whether or not the exhibit is correct. So duly noted, okay, we can take that up with the administration later. We are in the middle of a vote. We have called the eyes, and now I am asking for no's and abstentions. Is anyone voting no? <laughs> Not the finest moment for Ms. Henderson. Of course, the question was actually about, Alice was bringing forward a concern because they were voting on this allocation of this grant funding to Vision Zero. And of course, nobody, Angie Henderson there is saying, nobody's going to say no to money. 
But Ellis is bringing up a point that, hey, these documents that we were given that we we reviewed that we're voting on aren't the same as what were what is actually the document. She was having an issue between what were the final documents and what they were what they were presented as not being the same. So she's like, should we really be voting on something if we don't even know what it is? And then Angie Henderson said, it's money. Nobody in here cares. They're going to vote for it anyways. Like, do you want to vote? No, which is is not the best look as far as stewarding and legislating on the behalf of their constituents here in Metro Council. Of course, like I said, people were very tired and Ellis struggling with some of the rules was certainly taking up a lot of uh, the space on the floor, which kind of led to this moment, but that's still no excuse. These people are, are public professionals and very, very contentious moment. And Angie Henderson just basically saying it doesn't matter if the documents are wrong, we're going to vote on them anyways. <laughs> so, so that kind of sets the tone a little bit. But we went through discussions. Uh, there's a lot of uproar with a bunch of zoning bills and basically rewriting the zoning code to save middle housing is what they're calling it. There's a whole fraction of people and they're called nest and uh, that support this. They're calling it nest. Anyways, it's the brainchild of council member um, uh, Quinn Evans Siegel. Now Evan Siegel basically has paid for her own website to promote this these bills, these zoning bills, and kind of explain what they are. But her fellow colleagues are very confused. Their constituents are angry. They don't feel like there's been any, any community outreach. And it feels like she's trying to push these through. Of course, she pulled them off of the consent calendar because she wanted to defer them a meeting for further public discussion and to try to basically, it sounds like, pitch them to people. Because it's not defer. It's not an indefinite deferral where they would actually organize community meetings. It's only a one meeting deferral um, until, or I think it was a two meeting deferral until April. And it really sounds like she blindsided her colleagues with this grand master plan, and now she wants to kind of push it down through the council, get it in, get it passed into law so that she could make this tremendous change within the zoning of, of Davidson County. And of course it does affect people across the County, which is why all of her colleagues were extremely concerned. Sometimes we see zoning bills that are specific to somebody's district. And so then it's just their own, they're, they're handling it with their own community. This affects everyone. Very, very interesting, very contentious. They also deferred putting together a lookbook of how these zonings, these, these building build outs would look and so forth. But yes, very interesting discussions about the zoning. And we're going to hear a lot more pushback. She does not have a lot of support from her colleagues in this because they are getting heat from their constituents. If you're concerned about this, of course, you should always reach out to not only your personal districted council member, but to your five at-large members and let them know how you feel. We'll have a little bit more information on this. Yesterday, Davis wrote about it in a little bit more of an extensive uh, piece during in yesterday's newsletter, if you want to check it out, and we'll keep following along with it. But this is definitely the brainchild of Quinn Ev Evans Siegel, particularly. I asked around to see if there was anybody else lobbying behind this, but it looks like she's the one who came up with this idea. So besides that, there was one important bill and something that I wanted to touch on regarding charter schools. 
during the discussions, the, one of the final bills on final reading, of course, if you remember, bills have three readings, but it's not until they vote a bill up in final reading does it actually pass into law. So a bill on final reading was about the uh, charter school, a charter school here in metropolitan area. Of course, council member Russ Bradford vocalized his disdain for charters writ large and does not believe that taxpayer dollars should go towards any charters when the zoned school districts, the zoned schools do just fine. Uh, so he does not want to give any money to charter schools. This was a lease agreement that was they were contemplating. And Terry Vo, who is a council member who this falls within her district, stood up in support of this charter school because, one, the Metro um, School Board voted to uh, to in favor of this lease agreement. And it sounded like they really made out a sweet deal with the charter school as far as it being fair and stewarding that property very well. And she also pointed out that this charter school has the top, it has a five-star rating um, for the measure that they do for schools here in Tennessee. I'm trying to recall what exactly, you could read about it in my piece yesterday when I gave the rundown exactly what that measurement is from. But basically totally discrediting what Bradford had said about how these schools don't really even perform as good as our regular schools or they just perform the same and we shouldn't give money to them. So it did end up passing through a very interesting move. There were only three, I think there were three no votes and I think it was Ginny Welsh, uh, Russ Bradford and Delicia Porterfield. And um, I think one abstention and I can't particularly, I think it was Swara Zolfet. Zolfit Suara, sorry, not that, the other way around, who abstained from voting for that. But overall, if a charter school is doing well, it doesn't seem like the the council members are willing to just say no to it. So that's an interesting revelation, given all the pushback on charter schools here in Nashville, Tennessee. Next, we're going to go right over to our local corner. So I just want to quickly mention two things. This week I went to uh, I went and heard Mr. John D. Barry. He is a consultant, an advisor to the governor. I saw him last night. It was a talk and included talks about Frederick Douglass. Of course, Frederick Douglass is a great leader. He was an emancipated slave. He ended up becoming one of the basically leading thought leaders for liberty, for freedom. He helped create the Republican Party, um, you know, as abolitionists uh, coming out of splitting the parties and abolitionists turned into the Republican Party. So really interesting conversation from D. Barry. Very, very, if you don't know who he is, I encourage you to check him out. He has a wonderful backstory of just his life, how he actually went and marched with Martin Luther King Jr. And he gives, if you've ever heard him speak about his family and his father who really supported um, Dr. King, he, it's, it's just a tale from a different era. And sometimes that all of that type of history gets lost in this new civil rights era when there really was a civil rights era that started it all. And people had to put 
peacefully protesting was also putting your life on the line. And so it was a different time. Wonderful background. He was a Democrat who served in the state legislature for, I think, about 20 years. But he was excommunicated for his own party for being pro-life. Not only that, he was also just a very he was very conservative in a lot of his views because he is a Christian. Uh, I believe that he is a pastor, pastor um, or a reverend. And so over the years, he always vocalized what his core values and his policies were, but it wasn't until he took a hard line when it came to the Tennessee heartbeat bill and backed the Republicans in protecting life that the Democrats basically excommunicated him from the party. Not only that, they pulled him off the ballot when he was rerunning for his district. And that's interesting. But now he advises our Republican governor, Governor Bill Lee. And speaking of Governor Bill Lee, we had the state of the state address tonight. And I want to pull up a picture because this is Ariel Munson and her two children. I sat actually just happened to sit right behind them. They are benefactors. Stephen, one of her sons, is a benefactor of the state's ESA program. It helped him be able to attend the charter prep school that he is part of now. And there's really a nice write up about this uh, from a year ago uh, by the Beacon Center. But and you can pull that down, G. But the place was full. It was full of uh, support, but it was also uh, full of people who came there to express their dissent, which, of course, we expect, especially now after um, since 2020, we've we've had a lot of protests up at the Capitol. It's not anything new in the crowd, though. It was a pretty, pretty good mixture of both sides, a lot of support and um, a few disruptions. If you want to go back and look at it, it's on the governor's YouTube channel. You could watch the whole thing. I will say from being there, uh, the governor really commanded the space. He commanded the room and he invited people in. He didn't try to push people out as far as when you heard the shouting. He was more wanting to have a civil conversation about the topics. Noticeably, he didn't really talk about gun reform or anything like that, but did touch on child safety. He specifically welcomed two SRO officers. There were actually three present, but two SRO officers that, if you don't recall, during after the Covenant shooting, the governor cut a large check to basically equip every school in Tennessee with an SRO officer. And so they were there, they were present. And um, he also talked about passing a bill potentially to protect Tennessee children as far as their use of social media. The bill would essentially allow parents or it actually makes the social media cover, uh, companies have a mechanism where they have to get parental permission for their child to create a social media account. This, of course, echoes the sentiments of the AG, who is currently suing Meta for their practices in knowing that they were creating addictive algorithms that were harmful to the brains of young children and adolescents and those addictive behaviors that they perpetuate because they are our most vulnerable, one of our most vulnerable sects of society. So that was interesting. There's a lot of other things he talked about, guys. So go back. You could read the rundown. I'm just pitching the the newsletter today. You could read the rundown. I did a Twitter thread about the state of the state address as well. I gave a little bit more detail about what was going on in the crowd. Um, and of course, a little bit more about the policies that he's going to be presenting because the bill, the governor does essentially work with the legislature and he has a few key bills that he specifically puts 
puts forward through uh, legislators that he will back during this this regular General Assembly session. So please check that out if you're interested in the State of the State Address on his website. Lastly, we're going to go into Metro Mayhem. Metro Mayhem. I contemplated making this an entirely an entire breakdown, but I think I'm just going to let the video play out for itself, even though it kind of jumps from one thing to another. But one of the questions I kept asking, I almost drove not that far to the meeting last night. Sometimes I go in person, but when there's a lot of people like during these public hearings, the place is overflowing and crowded and you can't even get inside. So most of the time I like to sit at home in my bed and watch with popcorn in my pajamas because that's this it's so i mean it's exhausting it's entertaining it's the metro council like how what else are you gonna how else will you handle the stress of watching the council meetings and in the comfort of your own home i almost contemplated driving out there last night though because it was just bonkers and i think it was mostly due to being extremely overtired and at their at the like their bandwidth was depleted completely but there were some conversations from the floor where i was like are these people under the influence like what is going on it was a little bit loopy so i made a compilation of is it are they tired or are they under the influence <laughs> and these poor people uh i'm not i'm not trying to label anybody here it just felt like I was in the twilight zone when I was watching this, but of course I watch it for you. You could of course read the recap in our newsletter every two weeks or every, every twice a month. I do a recap of those council meetings so that you don't have to watch them, but they are entertaining. If you ever want to make it into a, you know, I don't know, a drinking game or something like that, but that's what we're going to close out with today. So you can decide, are they tired or under the influence? And with that, I hope to see you guys next week. I always appreciate you tuning in and hopefully helping you get a little bit more of the lay of the land of what's going on here in Nashville, Tennessee. So thanks again. I'll see you next week. I think that the last couple of comments that I heard from my colleagues are actually a great reason why we should defer this. My recommendation is that we defer to the date certain that uh, my colleague, uh, Ms. Evan Siegel, Council Member Evan Siegel, um, sorry. Yes, Ms. Ellis. Can you clarify that? A, a point of order is when yeah. you disagree with my interpretation of like, you know, say one time I forgot to call for discussion on something. That's a point of order. You um, done just, speaking just, on the merits of the deferral? Just about. Yep. So thank okay. you. So, and I think I had a little bit more than that, but I don't think I'm going to take up that much time. So I'm okay if we don't extend it there. I just took some extension. It is very unusual. And for the first termers, it is very unusual not to, um, you know, to pull something on first reading, to go against the lead sponsor's wishes. Usually we expect council mandated courtesy okay. to okay. keep a deferral. Just for clarification, the primary sponsor, you are against the deferral to the date of April 2nd. Okay. 
Ms. Benedict, you are recognized on the motion to defer off of first reading to the meeting of April 2nd, please, ma'am. Previous question. Thank you. Especially smaller, less sophisticated ones that might not be able to hire less sophisticated ones that might not be able to hire sophisticated uh, lawyers or consultants to help them navigate the process. Uh, what this would do is have codes and planning work together to create basically pre-blessed floor plans, designs, layouts, and things like that. So that if uh, a developer wants to take one of these pre-blessed designs off the shelf, then they can be confident that 